0: Inherit the land, on the Article 7 podcast. (music) Greetings, I'm Andy Jacob, pastor of Bethany Lutheran Church and Preschool, located at 2501 Beacon Hill Road in Alexandria, Virginia. If you've never been there, I hope you'll come to visit us sometime. We have Sunday school for all ages starting at 8.45 a.m. If you come a little early, there are refreshments set out every Sunday courtesy of our fellowship team at Bethany. Worship then follows at 10 a.m. And we have a special mission outreach called Christ for All Nations that gets together at 1 p.m. Right now we're continuing a spiritual growth program in both our Sunday school and our worship called The Story which means that we are reading together the main narrative of the Bible. Well, we're almost together. Uh, In order to do a stewardship campaign in September, our Sunday school got ahead of our worship service by a few chapters of the story. But no worries, though. Sunday school will be looking to practice for their Christmas service pretty soon so that we will give the rest of the church time to catch up. And then all of us will be on the same page, literally. Uh, when we start in 2020. Hmm. Christmas. Wow. It's hard to believe that we're thinking about that already. But sure enough, our church staff met together recently to talk about logistics and some of the special things that we're all doing for the Christmas season. So while it is fresh on my mind, you can look for special Advent worship the first two Wednesdays in December. The third Wednesday will be a special preschool service followed by Milk and cookies and Santa afterward. And our Sunday school will take over the 10 a.m. service for the third Sunday in December. Something new this year is that we hope to have a special prayer breakfast, perhaps, and a toy drive to benefit Toys for Tots. That'll be sometime in December, sponsored by our preschool. To help you keep up with all the things that are going on at Thanksgiving and Christmas, you can visit our website at www.don. Bethany, that is B E T H L-C-M-S dot O R G. And from there, you can read a newsletter or a bulletin or sign up for our e news as well. We also post a few times a week on our Facebook page, facebook F A S E B O O K dot com, and then backslash Bethany with the capital B E T H A N Y and then capital L-C-M-S. So facebook.com backslash L C M S. Now, it could be that you're on our website already, and that's where you found the next sermon, which is a part of the story. I have to admit, this was a challenging sermon to write based on the book of Joshua and taking a closer look at the Battle of Jericho. Ah, and there may be a musical bonus. This was our C2W service, Created to Worship, and I have not listened to it yet <laughs> as I'm recording this. Uh, give you a little behind-the-scenes look at, at how we do things here. So if I include one of the songs of this podcast, you'll see that in the podcast description uh, either on our website or when you find it on iTunes as well. So may God bless the reading and hearing and marking of his word as we continue with... You know my handy dandy journal here, and sisters and brothers in Christ, we are at chapter seven of the story. Where each week we assign some readings to prepare ahead of time for worship, and you are welcome to read the book called the story and go chapter by chapter, or. The select verses or chapters which you see in your bulletin for the coming week. And this week we culminate with the chapters from the book of Joshua. All kinds of wonderful little nuggets in the book of Joshua. Shout to the Lord, being one of them. We mentioned with children, also, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to hear that in, in song a little later. Be strong and courageous. I believe one or two of you had that as your confirmation verse at one time. Joshua has wonderful verses like that and the title of my sermon this day is Inherit the Land because this land is important. This promised land that was promised to Abraham and his descendants and now Joshua and his armies are taking possession of this is the land where the children of Israel settle. It's from this children that God will send a king who will deal once and for all with this this sin barrier between God and his people, between God and you and I, and destroy it forever. And that king is coming. Our king and our savior, Jesus Christ. That's the big story, but leading into that are all these, these smaller stories, these chapters of the story, if you will. And in this chapter, we have the story of Joshua. God, through centuries after promising this to Abraham, now leads the children of Israel to this point. And they go into the land. They're going to possess it. And there's a lot of war and bloodshed in the pages of Joshua. You know the commentary that I, that I pull off of my shelf? I've, I've got a number of sources. My favorite is the Concordia Publishing House Commentary. It's this thick. By the way, someone gave us a donation. I don't know if, you know, if you've seen it, the, but some, we have this commentary, an extra copy in our library. And I guarantee if you ever have to do some study in the book of Joshua, this is the one that I recommend, even though it's this thick. Every page is worth it. And it's dense like this because it's a difficult book. There's a lot of parts of Joshua you need to go through the rest of the Bible. A lot of the Bible is like that, but especially Joshua. And especially these, 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 these parts which talk about war, which, you know, you have to see the earlier parts of the Bible to understand that, that there's these detestable practices of the nations of Cana that involve things like prostitution and child sacrifice. That's why Jericho is dedicated for destruction. Of course, not all of it because there was Rahab, isn't there? Rahab who heard the report of how God freed a nation of slaves from the powerful nation of Egypt and did all these wonders and signs for them out in the wilderness and defeated king after king after king as they approached the land of Moab and the crossing of the Jordan River. And now they were there at Jericho's walls and Rahab, by faith, believes in the god of the israelites so by faith she and her family are saved and are joined to god's people that's a wonderful part of the book and i hang on to that because there's other parts of the book that are very difficult for me and i struggle with why do i struggle with them because of 911 And because of the terrorists who hit the city of New York while I was living near there, and of course around here at the Pentagon and the plane that was down in Pennsylvania. And why? Because of holy war. Because there was this branch of militant Sunni Muslims that that declared jihad on Americans and, 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 and people who believe differently, who don't have they want to have a government where their law is in place, so I did I, you know i was I was angry and upset after that time, and sometimes what I do is I funnel my emotions into research. There was a call for papers going around at the time in our district where we were, we would come together and and, and ex- explore how we felt and, and explore the Bible together and and talk about it as. As pastors and leaders in that district. And so my paper was on religious terrorism. And what I found is I looked into that topic, it, was, it wasn't just militant Muslims. There was, do you remember, the, the FBI tower that went down the Muir building in Oklahoma. Well, that was one of the people who did that grew up near me in Western New York, about the same age as, as I am. And boy, we could have run into each other in, in Lockport at some time uh, Timothy McVeigh. And he was influenced very much by this Christian identity movement, a pseudo Christian group that mixes Christianity and like Nordic paganism. And, uh, in order, and why, why commit acts of terror? Their religion tells them to go out to destroy the things of the government, to destroy this government so that a white government, a pure white government, can take over. That sickens me. It disgusts me, and it makes me angry. So then I look back at Holy War and Joshua, and that's why I wrestle continuously with this book. Is God telling the armies to do the same thing to these people in Cana? But then as I look closer at it, and as you look at, again, not just Joshua, but the rest of the Bible, you put it in context, And you understand, this isn't just aimed at a group of people. It's not wiping out a a, a particular people. It's the sin. It's the detestable practices. And when God's people, the Hebrews in the Bible, when they take up those same practices, it's the same thing. They're punished time time and time. I mean, the wrath of God. There's a reason. I mean, you wrestle with this in the Old Testament. What happens... When when there is sin and the holy God comes near, well, the ground opens up and people are swallowed. There's plagues and misery and fire coming down from heaven and all of this stuff on God's own people, not just the people of Canaan. Moses warns them not to take up the practices of these nations or they'll be destroyed themselves. Spoiler alert. As you're reading through the story, that's what's going to happen. Even the holy city of Jerusalem, where God's presence dwells there in the temple, those walls that surround and protect God's people come crumbling down because of their sin. As the wrath of God is meted out. And again, the context of the whole Bible. Because where does sin lie? In all of us, in all of our hearts, due to the first rebellion and us continually rebelling against God and His ways and going after our own selfish needs and thinking of ourselves first and our cold, cold hearts, which do not love God above all things and do not love each other as we should. And the Apostle Paul writes, while we were still enemies of God. He sends his only son to die for us. Because there on the cross, you know, as we, we could point our finger at other sinners, and if my grandmother always used to say, you point one finger, there's three more, pointing back at you, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if you will. And inside of us, of course, is that blackness and that sin. But on the cross, that's where God punished all the idolaters, all the prostitutes, all the drug users, all the terrorists, all the murderers, all the robbers there in the body of Jesus Christ on the tree. He bore all of our sin. He became the curse for us. And God damns his only son, abandons him there on the cross. He took the wrath of God and all the judgment of God. That's what people ask, what changed between the Old Testament God? It's still the same God, still the same judgment, but all the judgment came down on Christ Jesus. He died for us so that we can safely go into the promised land, not a piece of real estate anymore, but the promised kingdom of God that is heaven, which comes down to earth, the new heavens and the new earth where we will never be separated from God's love. Nothing can separate us, not our own sin and not any attack of the world or the death or devil that was all defeated. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. The war is over. The victory is won. The stone was rolled away from the empty tomb. Jericho's walls fall down for us, and that's all the grace of God. God says in the beginning of our Old Testament reading today, the city is in your hands. I've given it to you. It's done. Even even before they start marching around, it's over. God gives them the victory by grace. God says, I got this. God commands the march. God commands the shout. And all God's soldiers have to do is rush in the broken wall over the brokenness, broken walls of the city and claim the victory. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I shall take the cup of salvation. That's all that we need do. I've given Jericho into your hands. I have defeated death and the devil and even your own sin. And all that remains is to take the cup of salvation to say, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I could say an amen there. And I normally do. I like ending on a high note like that. But I need to back up. I need to pause on that amen just for a minute. I like a strong gospel ending, and we are going to get there, but I feel like I need to to give a little charge first. I don't normally, but there's a... you look around at the state of the church today there's a lot of fussing there's a lot of fretting I would say even a lot of fear that somehow Christians have lost their influence in America, in the world that somehow we've got all these different forces aligned against us and it causes a lot of hand wringing and trepidation there's not, enough, there's not as many people in the pews and so on and so forth And I see sometimes apathy, you know, people that just disconnect because, well, what's the use anyway? I I see sometimes some tepidness and some fear. I mean, we do a lot as a church, as Bethany Lutheran. This isn't something that's particular for here, but I'd say in general, do we see us and do we see the church as courageous, as bold, Is sidling up to all of our enemies in this world and acting as if we have the victory in Christ Jesus. Or do we hold back? Are we a little tepid? A little weak? Not really ready to to make a big commitment, to call a whole lot of attention to ourselves? I mean, I had an excellent... uh, Last night, we we just sent... uh, we had our confirmation club put together the meal for going out to the streets of D.C. on Great Patrol. And good, you guys, <laughs> yes, the veterans, you know, they, right away, as soon as they did that, you know, they were saying, "All oh, the people out there are so grateful. It was such a wonderful experience. I got the praise report, and I said, that's exactly what that is. You, you see homelessness, you see poverty, and you go right in there, into the battle. And you say devil isn't going to have this territory. We're not going to give this up to the world. God calls us as his army to march out there, knowing in our hearts we have the victory. There's no holding back the love of God. There's no keeping it just to ourselves. We've got to go out there with boldness, with vigor, with courage, with the mighty shout of the God's army. What is there? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? That's a rhetorical question, but we know the answer, don't we? Nothing. No one, no force in this world, no enemy shall stand up against the church of God that goes out there with the love of God to change this poor, sad, sick world and to claim, to claim more soldiers like Rahab's family, to claim them into the family, to claim them as part of the army to come and to march with us. We have the victory. So now we can go back to that part of the sermon. (laughs) And now we can celebrate. With that charge in our hearts, ready to march out into the world, we can say, we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and say, amen. Amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds forever on Christ Jesus.